welcome to the ABCA's podcast. I'm your host, Ryan Brownlee. This episode is sponsored by Netting Pros. Netting professionals are improving programs one facility at a time. Netting professionals specializes in the design, fabrication, and installation of custom netting for backstops, batting cages, dugouts, BP screens, and ball carts. They also design and install digital graphic wall padding, windscreen, turf, turf protectors, dugout benches, dugout cubbies, and more. Netting Professionals is an official partner of the ABCA and continues to provide quality products and services to many high school, college, and professional fields, facilities, and stadiums throughout the country. Netting Professionals are improving programs one facility at a time. Contact them today at 844-620-2707 or info at nettingpros.com. Visit them online at www.nettingpros.com or check out Netting Pros on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and LinkedIn for all their latest products and projects. Make sure to let CEO Will Miner know that the ABCA sent you. Now on to the podcast. Support for this episode is brought to you by the Headset app. Are you looking for a simple solution for coach to catcher communication for the season that doesn't require bulky hardware in the dugout? Traditional communication gear can be a headache to set up and carry from game to game. But what if there's a game-changing solution? Introducing the Headset app, your new MVP in communication for coaches and catchers. Enjoy crystal clear, ultra HD audio without the major league price tag. It's compatible with any Bluetooth headset or earbuds. Say goodbye to tangled wires and extra hardware. Ready to step up to the plate? Download the Headset app for free today. Getting started is as easy as a home run trot. Create your account, invite your team, and start calling pitches. The Headset app is ready for download in the App Store and on Google Play. Swing for the fences and download today to get a five-day free trial. And for a limited time, use ABCA24 when you buy your pass for next season and save 10%. Find out more at theheadsetapp.com. This week on the ABCA podcast is University of Maryland strength coach Henry Bergman. Bergman is a strength and conditioning coach at the University of Maryland, where he oversees all aspects of sports performance for the baseball team and track and field throwers. Before arriving in College Park, he spent two years at Towson University working with the women's basketball, baseball, and men's and women's golf teams. Prior to that, Bergman was a graduate assistant sports performance coach at the University of Wyoming and also spent time at San Diego State University and the University of Minnesota working with their Olympic sports teams. Originally from Minneapolis, Minnesota, Bergman received his undergraduate degree from the University of Wisconsin-Eau Claire. He is certified by the National Strength and Conditioning Association, United States Weightlifting, and U.S. Track and Field and Cross Country Coaches Associations. Let's welcome Henry Bergman to the podcast. All good. Nice. How was Wisconsin? Good, good. Um, I'm still still actually out here in the Midwest. Got here last week, and I'm gonna uh, take back off. Um, I drove down, so my I grew up here, and my family's all from here. Um, and so just in town, um, first time I'm able to take some time off for the holiday in a couple nice. couple years here. So, nice. what part of Wisconsin? Um, I'm from Minneapolis, Minnesota. Actually, uh, I went to school in Eau Claire, Wisconsin, and then we were up in Table, like Hayward area. So yeah. just kind of just straight straight north and then slightly east. My aunt lives in Hayward. 
Nice. Yeah, yeah. Aunt small Judy. world. It's uh, Aunt Judy lives in Hayward. My mom's yeah, sister. Yeah. So have have you been? I haven't. Um, I've been, you know, Eagle River. My grandparents lived in Eagle River for a long time, so we'd go up there. It's a long way from Evansville, Indiana. It's like yeah. 10, 11 hours. It's crazy. We'd get to Chicago and stay with family members in like Antioch and Lake Villa, and we're still like five hours away. It's crazy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, there's no snow up here, so that was a first for me That's just wild. being up there. We normally go up there every um, every winter, and there's nothing going on right now, so it's pretty Snowmobiling. crazy. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> here with Henry Bergman, assistant strength coach at Maryland in charge of baseball and throwers. We are just talking pre-call from Wisconsin, went to Eau Claire, and uh, thanks for jumping on with me. We met this fall. Yeah, thanks, Ryan. Pleasure. Um, happy to be here. What did you think of the Barnstormers this fall? Yeah, it was great. Um, yeah, it was cool cool to see all that going on there. Um, and, uh, yeah, really fun to be a part of it. Yeah, it was good. Your staff did a tremendous job. It's always better for us when the staff is, is really involved. It makes for a better event for everybody. And, you know, give people background on you for people that may not know you. Um, give some background on you. Yeah, absolutely. So I'm from uh, Minneapolis, Minnesota originally. Uh, just grew up playing a bunch of sports like everyone else. Um, kind of got into coaching and strength and conditioning uh, pretty early on. Um, you know, kind of playing past my high school days wasn't really with me. So I, I started kind of working with uh, tennis teams in the in the summers. And then I started working with football teams in the fall and then just kind of kept building up from there. So um, I actually took a different path before I got back into strength and conditioning. So once we graduated college, um, started interning all over, interned at a small gym in Lakeville, um, Minnesota, just south of the cities, and then um, started, you know, working at the University of Minnesota. And that was just a great initial experience because it's that whole whole, whole of guys that I was with just kind of are all over the cities or all over the states working with different teams right now. It's just been a great group to stay in contact with. And then, you know, it took me out to San Diego State, where I worked with track and field on the women's side for a year, um, did my graduate assistantship in Laramie, Wyoming, um, a couple of years, and I was working with uh, the track and field teams, the tennis team, um, and then the rodeo team and the rugby team. So it's just a little bit of everything. Um, that's the beautiful thing about this field is you kind of just get um, a little bit of taste of every, you know, different sports as you keep working around there. Um, and then uh, kind of got... Um, full-time for our first full-time spot at in uh, Towson, uh, working with the women's basketball team, the baseball team, um, the golf teams, and then just kind of took took me out um, to Maryland where I've been for the past four months working with Coach Swope and Coach Jackson and that whole staff. It's been um, absolutely fantastic. Rodeos are different. They're a different breed, aren't they? Yeah, it was something else. I mean, I just, I, I had no idea. I grew up in the cities in uh, Minnesota and then, you know, head out there and not, not really knowing what to expect once I get to Laramie, but we trained early and they were awesome. So I had a total blast and getting to learn that sport, you know, they took me out there. I got on the mechanical bull, which was something else. And um, yeah, it was, it was quite, quite a time for sure. Do you feel like it's helped you working with baseball now because you did work with other sports? Oh, absolutely. Um, I think you get a wide variety of perspectives and different kinds of training styles. And then you just kind of try to seep it all together and put the best product forward. You know, I think I've learned a lot with track. I mean, track was kind of my bread and butter for a while there, um, working at multiple different schools with it. And you just kind of see how everyone goes about um, their training and their thought process and how they put that into their athletes and their training program. And track is 
um similar to baseball in the sense that it's not as chaotic and reactive you know it's like you know when you're when you're pitching you know you've got the the single outcome event and similar with track and field where it's like you know in your jumps you know you've got the singular event going forward and so kind of just um being able to adapt those systems and then just with baseball on perspective to load like how can i then take what i've learned from the track models in terms of like how they you know undulate their weeks and then put that into a baseball perspective and put um put that product forward and it seems like track and field is way better at experimentation with training modules than baseball i think we're getting better in the baseball side of it but it seems like track and field is way more advanced as far from an experimentation standpoint on the training side of it yeah, I mean, I think um, it's been much more open and there's been some really great coaches, you know, because um, and there definitely have been on the baseball side as well. But it's just like you said, like catching up. Um, I think that like any sort of sprint exposure and any sort of jump exposure is going to train the body substantially different than what you would get from um, different weight room experiences. And so or training methodologies. And so kind of having that as your basis of your program and moving forward and also just like they were really good. I mean, we, we've got the catapult system at Maryland here, so I'm able to monitor um, um, external loads and, you know, how much distance we're covering and then, like, help, help and plan out practice that way and everything. And that's been fantastic. But, like, track and field was already doing that with how many yards and how many meters and total distance that they're covering per training um, exposure and then just kind of going back and forth between stuff that's going to be a little bit um, more strenuous on the body versus things that are just going to be a little bit shorter and higher intensity and things like that. They wear catapult during practice too? At, base, uh, at Maryland? Yeah. Yes. Yes. Yep. So we, so we have it on all, all position guys. Then. Yep. Yep. And it's been, it's been great for me to, um, I've worked with the catapult systems before we use it with the women's basketball teams that I've trained for the past couple of years. Um, then I had a couple of additional pauses that I was able to put on the, the guys at Towson, but this has been my first prolonged exposure of having, I think it was 19 pods this past um, fall to have on the guys and then just be able to monitor practice going up and down there. And it's been, um, it's been great because it just kind of, it gives us the end product and we're just able to build backwards. And so I think, especially once we get back uh, the first couple of weeks of January, being able to build out our practice loads to make sure that, you know, we're covering everything that needs to be covered. We're building towards what we're going to experience in the game and we're not giving them everything too fast. Are they wearing them at home too? So now that they're on Christmas break, do they, do they have the sensors with them at home? No, it's just, it's got one big dock. So they just, it kind of, we put them on before practice um, and they, they give them to me right afterwards. And then from there, I'm able to chop the data and send out the reports. Do you feel like that's key to keeping guys healthy? I think it does a great job being able to um, make modifications if we need to and being able to kind of backtrack and kind of build into it. I mean, the, the, when you see the largest spike of like acute injuries or acute incidents, it's typically when like there's been like an, a downtime area and then you come back and you want to get to everything to it. And then it's just, that's when little things pop out my shoulder, my ankle, my back. And so by being able to kind of build and kind of have, um, I wouldn't say they're set limits, but you just kind of have an idea of what every practice should look like or like, hey, like we're going to, you know, play four innings or something like that today. Or it's going to be a little bit more like individuals or team, like kind of have an idea of where that load should be and then kind of building from there. And we also make the guys um, just wear them the whole time when they're when they're out of practice. So if guys get a lot of extra work, we're able to see that. And then if we need to tell them, hey, like 
you know, let's, let's be done for today. We accomplished a lot the past couple of days. It just, it definitely helps us on the right road to keeping guys as healthy and available as possible. And heading into preseason now, what are you hoping to get out of when they get back to when season starts? Yeah. Um, work capacity to the same extent where like, you know, we haven't seen these guys um, consistently for four to six weeks. And so being able to, put enough load on them where they're going to be able to experience what they need to experience a month later into a game. Um, and so just kind of building that out. And then we just, you know, when we're doing weight room um, and resistance based exercises, it's going to be a lot more for um, speed and power as an emphasis. Uh, we spent the past three to four months really just trying to build that engine um, focus on specific outputs. And right now it's all about kind of conversion, making sure that like we're moving really well. Um, so that movement efficiencies there, but we're also kind of building them up and making sure that they're ready to go for the season once we get rolling. How can you tell? I mean, what are you assessing as far as how their movement quality is? Yeah, I mean, so a lot of it's just going to be um, subjective right off the bat. You know, we do those those wellness questionnaires and, you know, just having a good um, relationship with the guys and being able to go around and talk to them and ask them how they're feeling. And you can tell um, it's not necessarily, but like, if a guy is very sore, beat up after doing, you know, a workout that he was usually able to do pretty um, easily in the fall, that kind of gives you a good idea of where you're going to be at there. Um, we do different sorts of assessments pre and post in the spring or excuse me, in, in the fall. So we did a whole bunch of assessments, range of motion, um, force plates um, before we got trained in the fall and then right before they left there. And then we're just trying to build them back in there um, for pitchers. We, uh, I've got a device that'll measure, you know, different uh, positions where, where their shoulders are going to be strongest and whatnot, and um, or in, if it's not strongest. And so we kind of have that ratio. And so it's just going to be how they're recovering from throwing and whatnot there, and then just building them back up that way. What are you assessing on the force plates? Yeah, so we do a uh, we do a counter movement jump. So that's kind of like just a single effort repeat, um, or excuse me. Um, uh elastic effort and then we've got the squat jump but they're holding at the bottom it's going to be a little bit more um force dependent and then uh we do a single leg jump to measure for asymmetries um and then we'll do an iso mid thigh pull with them as well um and it's just kind of max effort um in a safe controlled way and then um we also just take measurements in the in the similar it's in the same system using um valve performance and so we've got a dynamo that's just It'll measure external rotation, internal rotation, scaption, and then I have a grip strength one as well. And that's, like I said, just to make sure that we're progressing in the right, right way. And if we see any asymmetries or um, significant discrepancies uh, popping up, make, trying to make an intervention before anything um, kind of derails what we've got going on. How many of your incoming guys have asymmetry? All of them. <laughs> I mean, Hips yeah, I mean, I think that's... A, yeah, yeah, absolutely. You know, and so I, I don't think that's unique. And I think that's the, that's the cool that's part about expected, sport. 100%. Correct. I mean, you should expect that yeah. coming in with your incoming guys, right? They're going to have asymmetry. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. I think that, um, you know, it's very driven by sport and the outcomes of sport. And I don't think that's something necessarily that we want to try to correct. I think there's always kind of parameters and what you want guys to be ideally, but as long as, they're staying healthy and they're performing at a high level and you're seeing the performance go up, then it's not necessarily something that you want to trying to change or kind of, I don't think correct would be the right word either, because that might make them great and being that 1%, you know, that's the, the clientele that we train right here. And so by potentially going about that as 
going to maybe not let them perform at their highest levels. And, you know, that was that was eye opening for me with the motor preferences stuff that Coach Jackson and Coach Swope talked about. And that's kind of that kind of go plays into that a little bit. Right. With an asymmetrical piece like, OK, this is how they move. These are their motor preferences. Was this the first time you've ever dove into the motor, motor preference stuff? Yep, first time. First time I had heard about it is my initial conversations with Coach Swope and Coach Jackson um, in August. And so for me, it's been a great system to dive into um, because I really, you can really see how guys want to move. And so that's the, the whole thing behind um, MP is training guys in the way that they want to move. And I think especially in sport, you can see that like the ways that they complete the same task can be completely different, right? And so by trying to force feed everyone into a singular model is going to work for maybe one out of four guys. And so what happens to those other three? And so I think that that's been the really great thing with Coach Swope kind of leading the charge with everything. It's like, all right, well, here's how they want to move. How, here's how we're going to try to put them in the best position to succeed and, you know, just let the outcome be the outcome. And for me, it's been great just trying to marry that system, which I can see and it's very evident. We had of experience in and also different systems that I've kind of been aware of, but haven't really um, been fully able to digest myself. And so then just like, like, it's very similar to a system um, that's focused on um, compression and extension, something that Bill Hartman's kind of put together. And so for me, I'm really trying to dive into that system a little bit more to then make the connections towards what motor preferences is trying to do them. And um, yeah, just put the best product forward for our guys. So, so then how does that adjust programming? I, the interesting thing for me was like adjusting breathing cycles too. Yeah, I mean, it's just where where guys are going to feel um, most stable, right? You know, where if it's an exhalation or an inhalation. Um, I've started to me, change some of my breathing techniques when I'm lifting now because of that, just tinkering around. Because it's something you're always, obviously, inhale on the way down, exhale on the way up. So I've actually tinkered some of my breathing cycles just to see if I feel more stable. And actually changing some of it, I've actually felt more stable, especially like with yoga. Some of the yoga moves balance moves I've actually tweaked some of my breathing cycle because I actually feel more stable doing it the other way yeah and have you felt the difference yes yeah for sure yeah for sure yeah it's crazy I think uh the biggest thing and you know I've had calls with some coaches that are also interested in it and what I've told them is I'm 100% still learning yeah. and trying to find you know the best movements for everyone but the thing that's very easily transferable to the weight room is the positions that you put guys in and so whether it's you know, you're cueing them on their forefoot versus their heel or with a little bit more of an upright torso and shin angle versus more with a little bit more flexion and, you know, chest um, proceeding towards the ground and everything like that. That's been the easiest adjustment for me to do. And then you're just messing around with um, kind of on the uh, force speed conundrum where they're training, you know. So when we talk about like the terrestrials, they're going to be a little bit more force and mechanical dominant. So they're going to be able to kind of push and really grind through specific exercises and that might be the most beneficial for them versus aerials like they're gonna you know be a lot more on that spring mass model and so i'm an aerial kind of by the way i don't like spending a lot of time on the ground when i do stuff so i was always light feet and uh i i was very springy so I, i'm more aerial than terrestrial yeah i mean well and, and you can feel it you know and um i think it's it's interesting in my field where probably 80 percent of strength and conditioning coaches are terrestrial and so if you're trying to fit them in that model that you've obviously personally seen success with, 
it's not going to work for everyone. Right. And so it's just kind of putting that ego and putting that bias aside and just trying different things. You know, I, I've heard from great coaches that, you know, 80% of your program should be things that, you know, work in our true and tried methods. Right. And then that 15 to 20% is things that you're experimenting with. And so I really do think that I'm in that phase where uh, we've had these different models and you've had success doing on tweaking to put, you know, like I said, the best product forward for the guys. So they see success there. And I think, like I said, just kind of the orientation of the, of the body and, and how they want to move and then messing around with the percentages. Um, and uh, that's been, it's been beneficial for the guys. Cause I mean, my job is like, we're obviously trying to drive outputs and drive transfer to baseball, but it's much more like you want to find the quickest way there. You know, if like the, adaptation is going to take over where they're not going to be able to have a great practice or get better at their sport because they're so attached on something that I did in the weight room that doesn't benefit them in the same way that would just, you know, something that's a smaller stimulus making a greater impact on the field. So how, when did you get introduced to David Janest then? And for people that don't know him, AKA the witch doctor. Yeah, he was, uh, he was on campus in September. And um, that was that was a great experience as well. A very, very unique one. But I mean, he he took me through the tests and, you know, I'm sitting there questioning everything and, um, you know, having great conversations. And he's just, you know, he's being being polite and being understanding and helping me lead me to my answers and conclusions and whatnot. But, um, yeah, September was the first time that I met him and then just had, um, you know, interactions with him this whole fall. So how does then that adjust kind of the warm-ups for the different movement patterns, motor preferences? Yeah, so um, at the at the conference, like you saw, the uh, you know they they all go through a specific warm-up leading into their sport a little bit more. Um, when they're in the weight room with me, like I do think that pushing general capabilities and capacities is going to lead to a overwhelmed athlete. So like we might go through, you know, five to ten minutes of very similar exercises. But then like once we start breaking off and we get into the movements or like exercise and mobility um, movements, right? And then once we start actually getting to the lift, that's when you're going to start to see, you know, a differentiation between, you know, what their profiles are and then, you know, if they're going to be a little bit more flexion or extension based and just how we go about putting that in there. And then does that make your job easier in the weight room then with programming? Or does it make it more difficult? Yeah, um, I wouldn't say easier. I would say it leads me towards better results long-term, 100%. Like having these profiles and being able to see things, you know, Coach 12 would be one of the first ones to, to tell you that when he, you know, discovered this this method and this way of seeing and coaching and, you know, being able to um, push athletes in the right direction, you know, it was like a year and a half of just being able to see and digest it all before actually implementing where I'm kind of in the middle a little bit more now. And it's just, you know, just trying to take what I know and, and put it forward. And so um, I think it helps with buying a hundred percent. If you're able to speak the language, that's regardless of sport, you know, like we were talking about rodeo earlier, but those kids love seeing me at practice, you know, which is not, not, you know, my familiar space by any means, but it's the same thing with the motor preferences where like, you know, I am at practice, I'm able to see the the cues and how they go about teaching the skill. And then I'm bringing that same information. And because I know their profiles, and I can kind of see their profiles, and I'm able to help them as well work on things that they were working out in practice, and then putting that in the weight room. Yeah. How many of your incoming guys are multi-sport athletes? 
I they all think they're <laughs> gonna go pro in, in the NBA. You know, it's 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 stuff like that as well. And it's like, yeah, I'm baseball, but you know, you should see me as you know when I'm on the court and stuff. It's like, yeah, yeah. So I I, I couldn't put a number on that 100, but I, I think a lot of those guys definitely did grow up playing multiple sports, and that's something that I would definitely um, advise and recommend is you know to who's ever listening if you've got kids in high school is just the more sports and the more skills and the different you know planes of motion and movement that your kids can be exposed to just the better they're going to be and the easier it makes you know their continued progress going forward I think and, and I think the the difference now is kids might call themselves multi-sport but they're still playing one sport the whole year so like they're not getting a break from that sport like they're they're right. playing multiple sports at the same time, which actually is detrimental at times because the workload is too much for them. Yeah. I mean, when it's, when it's going to be their break and just, you know, just live as opposed to always being shuttled from thing to thing. I agree with that hundred um, percent. I also, I think in a sport like baseball, that is a very highly skilled sport. You know, there needs to be that kind of specific development. Um, so keeping that in mind, but still being able to have the exposures that, you know, tennis or basketball or track and field or swimming, just anything, any of those sports are going to give you, that's going to be different than baseball. Like that's all going to be beneficial towards their athletic development. Postseason assessments then. So what are you assessing postseason to send them out to summer ball or, or keeping them there to train? Yeah. So it'll be, so, so once we get an in season, right, the volume is going to decrease in terms of what we're doing in the weight room because the amount of games and just the total time um, playing the sport is going to go up substantially. Right. And so um, what we're just trying to do in season is we're just trying to maintain that floor, hopefully push it up a little bit. Right. But just maintain maintain that strength, that mobility, ranges, motion, movement, um, efficacy. And then when we get to the end of the season, right? We'll do those assessments, you know, those range of motion assessments, um, movement assessments that we did when we just left in December. And we'll just see, you know, that difference. And, you know, did this guy lose thoracic mobility? Did this guy lose hip internal rotation, for example, stuff like that. And then just try to, you know, give them a plan to help restore. And once, you know, if we're going to go play summer ball, okay, how can we best give you a plan that you can implement while you're traveling all the time playing? If you had to start from scratch, so say you have a blank slate and you're going to pick up some technology, would Catapult be one of the first things you would get if you had a blank slate and you're trying to pick up some some new tech if you had money to spend? I think grad, Catapult is great, a great tool for sure um, because it just it tells you how much you've done, right? And so you might be thinking this is a light practice, but it's like, oh, wow, the guys were on their feet for substantially longer. They covered substantial amount of diff or um, – more distance or even like, you know, you're looking at um, infielding drills versus outfielding drills and stuff like that. And it might be the exact same time, but the outfielders might cover three times the amount of total distance. So you might need to go lighter for the rest of practice. So I think that's, that's a great tool um, for sure. If we're just talking about organizing practice and making sure that, you know, we're periodizing that correctly. Um, what do you use most yeah, in the weight room? I mean, when you're when you're in there with the guys, obviously outside the squat rack and dumbbells and all that, what do you use from a tech piece the most? From a tech piece the most? Um, we, in the off season, we honestly, outside of, you know, 
the squat rack, you know, we're doing a bunch of different sorts of med ball throws and carries, ton of different grip work and stuff like that. Um, once we get in season and we just got outfitted with the whole room with them at University of Maryland, we'll have velocity-based uh, training units at every rack where instead of prescribing uh, percentages or based off what they did last week or even APREs, which is that scale from one to 10, right? Um, you know, we're just giving them a, sp a specific speed to hit. And that's going to be, you know, on our our lower body and some upper body exercises, but primarily our lower body movements, which is driving that global adaptation. And so then it's just, um, it's able for them to stay fresh because if it's something that they can normally hit and they're, you know, they're crushing it for the day, right? They're able to go up and then that um, stimulus and exposure is going to be greater as opposed to if they're completely fried, um, you know, they, then it's not giving them something that's just going to keep them not being able to recover. Um, and we use wellness questionnaires a lot as well. I think I already alluded to that, but that's just. So what's on the wellness questionnaire? Me. Yeah. Um, so it's just, um, how'd you sleep? How much did you sleep? What was your nutritional intake? How motivated are you to train? And then what's your stress level? And those are the big five. Um, and how, how that kind of drives training specifically in, once we get in season is um, if guys are completely not ready to go and they've like, we've gone through the warm up and they're still pretty, pretty hindered, then we just, we change up the volume, we change up the intensities, we might change up the exercises, right? But like recovery is going to be substantially more important for them as opposed to driving something that's going to, you know, help maintain strength or something um, like that. And so that's a great indicator. And then that also helps us, you know, kind of be like, coach, like we should get up and do this or coach, like, you know, let's, let's have this activity, you know, or we need to pull back, we need to push more. And so it's just, it's kind of collecting subjective data that helps with all of our objective measures. What are you mixing in for recovery then? What are you guys, what are you using for them from a recovery standpoint? Yep. So we, um, we'll do tissue work, um, you know, taking them through and, you know, whether we're doing this, uh, mobility or stretching circuit or foam roller lacrosse ball, um, we bring um, fireflies with us in season, um, Normatec boots and stuff like that. Anything to basically just drive blood flow, you know, and, and getting that going through the body. Mark Pro like too? That. Use but, a Mark Pro? Uh, we don't have one with us. Um, I think those are awesome. I love I, them. I wish, you know. Uh, that yeah, that, that would have been one. like, if I went back, that's the first piece of equipment that I would buy for, especially for the arms. Like it just made a huge difference for our pitchers post throw they wouldn't even have to go through a whole lot other than that uh, i mean it basically milks the blood flow back into those areas it cleaned a lot of the general yep. soreness up for guys we had guys that couldn't even pick a ball up sometimes after they threw and they were they were good they could toss a little bit the po next day because and i still think because the mark pro and then obviously the full body stuff we put them through day after they threw i just felt like they were in much better shape and our, our injury numbers went we we didn't really have any injuries which is great yeah absolutely um that's that's i mean that's a very great device to use and the fireflies do that to a yeah. specific extent um and it's just nice because we can give out once you know especially about pitchers you know they they come and pass it too and you just give one guy one sensor and he's able to use that and get the blood flowing through his arm and so that's great for bus rides or whenever you know we're just hanging out in the hotel rooms and stuff like that so that's a great tool as well what are some standard practices that when you first got into it that maybe you've switched over time here now that you've gotten more experience? If anything, maybe you came out of the womb in good shape. Yeah, no, no, that's a great question. Um, 
you know, the more individualized you can make it, the better it is for the athlete. And it's, it's, it's challenging um, to do with when you got, you know, 30 plus guys in the room. But if you make that extra time and you make that extra effort to do that, you know, you're going to get so much more buy-in and better results from the guys. Um, so I, I think that's big. Um, I think, you know, being able to match practice demands so the weight room is not working independently. Um, I think that's something that a, a lot of young coaches be like, here's my plan, you know, how are we going to fit it around as opposed to being like, okay, Friday is going to be a really big practice. Are we backing off or are we, you know, we, we training hard and then practicing hard and then giving them a couple of days off. Right. And so it's, it's up to you and, you know, our performance teams, you know, our performance team at university of Maryland, we got the strength coach, athletic trainers, uh, sports nutritionist, and then, um, the whole coaching staff is in there. We meet once a week and we kind of talk through everything that we're seeing. Um, but so, yeah, just kind of that collaboration and, and getting ahead of, of everything there. Um, and then just also, you know, there's so many different things that drive adaptations. You know, it's like principles are few, methods are many. And so just being able to be adaptable, one, um, and know that it's not a one size fits all system. And so that definitely helps. What are you seeing with the difference with the pro guys that are coming back? Have you had an opportunity to work with many of the pro guys that have come back? Yeah, uh, that's a great question. Um, they are Besides so being much older. more. I mean, they're older. Yeah, right, right. <laughs> I think they're just much more in tune with what they need to do in order for them to perform at a high level. You know, you get you get 18, 19 year old guys that come in, you know, that we've done this or I don't feel good doing this. And it's like you, you don't know. You haven't had enough experience. You know, you might know. And that's a very advanced kid and someone that's very in tune with his body. But I think the pro guys coming back, um, that's one thing that I've noticed is they just, you know, they're very self-driven and they know exactly what they need to do in order for them to perform at a high level. And so it's been great for me to have those conversations with them. Like, oh, what, what are you doing here? You know, is there anything I can assist with? Um, one, but then, you know, two, just kind of having those conversations and what's it like training in season for them. How many of your incoming guys are on top of their sleep, nutrition and hydration? Uh, varies kid to kid, hundred percent. I mean, even with guys that have been here, you know, it's like, I, I'm honestly pretty impressed with this group that we have, you know, they, they've been very, very well on it. You know, they, they get up, um, they come in early, they get their nutrition snacks, you know, they're normally ready to roll. And so it's been good. And like, you know, incidents outside there have been a few and far in between. Um, I think it's something that the more leadership you have within the, the team, the easier it is for guys coming in on the outside to just be able to fit that mold because here's the expectation. Here's what you need to do. Here are resources in order to perform and, you know, um, just kind of find, find those methods that work for you to be able to recover and perform at that high level. And so if it's already within the team, it's easier, but I think for a lot of guys, it's this kind of adjustment being like, Oh, I can't do this. You know how I was, I need to change. What type of supplements are your guys taking? If anything, yeah, um, great question there as well. We um, we push collagen with them a lot in the fall. Um, you know, help with that tissue repair and everything like that, and especially with what brand are you guys using? Uh, it, it varied um, just based off of what was um, um, available to us. I'm, I'm forgetting that that one off okay. the top of my head right now, but safe we were pushing sport. that. They they came in individual packs for them. Is out there. What did you say? Whatever safe sport collagen is available. Yes. 
Yes, exactly. You know, and it's um, ordered through and, you know, recommended by our nutritionist that does a great job working with us. Um, but yeah, that was just individual packets that they would, I know that they were getting in at least three times a week and then just any, any sort of other supplementations that's going more through the nutritionist and the athletic trainer and the strength conditioning coach are more just there for recommendation. And your guys feel like collagen helps? I think the ones that buy into it 100% are, are seeing the benefits. I think it's one of those things that, you know, it's, it's similar to, you know, vitamins or anything that you're seeing, you know, it's like I'm taking it. I don't really know what it's doing to make me feel better, but the guys that have been consistent with it, you know, it just might not be as prolonged sore, as achy as other guys. You guys work out barefoot? Yep. How often? Yeah, every um, every time they come in the weight room, our first ten plus minutes are them out of their shoes, interacting with the ground. Um, we do that. Yeah, every every time they come into the weight room, they're with me. And then some guys, you know, I'll give them the option to put shoes on on or off. I might make recommendations based off the exercise that we're doing. But yeah, we take off our shoes at the warm up. Um, and you guys have changed their the footwear too, correct? Depending on their motor preferences. Yep. So we'll give them harder or softer um, soles based off of their preference. And so the harder soles are going to be the guys that have that more rebound. So our aerials and everything like that. And it's just basically that stiffer surface helps propel them forward. I had to have inserts in my cleats. I had harder inserts for my cleats in college a long time ago. Um, couldn't really define that, it, but it made it, I, it was better. It was better with the inserts. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I think that's the thing is it just kind of, it feels natural when you make that adjustment for them and they might, they were either there already or they just hadn't got them there by themselves. And so it's been, it, like I said, it's a very cool system to be a part of and keep on learning in. Um, Coach Wolf does a great job. And your guys' numbers, I mean, you can't deny that offensive numbers, you guys have led the country in home runs and walks the last two years. So like I, everything that you guys are doing, like you have the, the you know the data to back it up it's like okay whatever whatever you're doing and however you're doing it it's working on the offensive side and i'm intrigued to see how it's going to work on the pitching side now that you're implementing with the pitchers too yeah yeah me as well um it's actually it was very uh interesting and fun listening along to you know because coach has been on this podcast a couple of times and how even his thinking has progressed over the past two to three you know, I think you had him on here a couple of years ago and, and half of the things that you discussed, I was like, I don't think we're doing half of that at practice. <laughs> you know, and, and that's, that's part of that's evolving. Crazy because, I mean, that, that that's the human yeah. journey is like you have to evolve. Yes, I, I, absolutely. I just thought it was, you know, he's he's very well informed and read and, you know, tries tons of different things. And, you know, the, and they had a great offense before he implemented the system. And ever since he had, you know, he's he's all in on it. And, you know, the results kind of speak for themselves. And so it's been it's really cool to see guys that the incoming guys that have been out of profile and those are the ones that he recruits where he's like, I'm pretty sure it's this guy and we just need to make these small adjustments and they make those adjustments and specifically, you know, on the hitting side of thing, like the ball just flies, you know, when, when someone has been in a certain model and they've been taught to be in their heels and need X amount of hip and shoulder disassociation where now it's like, okay, you're going to be in the ball, your foot a little bit more and you're going to coil and, you know, you're basically swinging before that foot hits down and just like, it's been it's been really fun for me to see because you know I I didn't get very advanced in my baseball career at all you know and so I'm very limited in the knowledge there but then just being around the sport and seeing you know how things are coached and the different models that are there and then taking this system where it's so much more 
based off of how a guy wants to move and getting to the like kind of reverse engineering off the result and being like, okay, well, this guy needs to open his hip more to get his shoulders through as opposed to being able to create so much torque from the ground and things like that. And so it's, it's really cool to see. And especially when the result is the ball flying out of the park. So, and I, for me, I think it's a benefit that you haven't played as much because you come in with a fresh set of eyes on it. Like I think the more people that you can get from outside the industry, I think the better off you're going to be because they come at it with a completely different outlook and a fresh set of eyes on it. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I agree, and I, I guess just you know, for those that have been in the industry, you know, like you, you know, yourself, Coach Full, being lifelong learners, just being able to take those different vantage points, those different point of views, and then put it into baseball, because, you know, you can learn so much by, you know, um, studying and, and dissecting another sport. Do you have a fail forward moment? Do you have something you thought was going to sidetrack you, but looking back now, it helped you move forward? Everybody has to answer this one. Specific to baseball or just any life? That's this is a life anything? question. Anything, yeah. This is a life yeah, journey. A, this is a life um, journey question. Something you thought maybe at well, the time so, was gonna set you back, but looking back now it helped you move forward. Great question. Um I don't know what I was doing when I was moving to Laramie, Wyoming. I'm going to be honest. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> and I, I don't know if that's the correct way to answer this question. I could have gone, you know, I was, a, I, I did music and sports throughout college and I ended up pursuing music more and I got back into sports and, you know, my, the information that, you know, I gathered and kind of the habits that I did when I was, you know, trying to, you know, play my instrument at a very high level is taking me, you know, very far into a what field instrument? that doesn't seem very realistic. Yeah, I play trombone. Love um, it. So I, I got a, I got a ma half a master's degree in uh, jazz studies at uh, Michigan State University. And then I was just, it had always been my, my 1A. And so I switched it to my, my 1B or my 2 option and started doing a lot more coaching. And that really, all those habits that I learned, you know, in music kind of brought me forward. But I don't think that was something that I thought was going to set me back. Um, I just remember when I first moved to Laramie, Wyoming, being a city kid and being like, I have no idea where I am, but just the, uh, the relationships that I made there, um, and, you know, that whole experience was, was fantastic. The coaches, the, the athletes, um, being in somewhere that's very rural as to somewhere else, you know, it's just, it's, you kind of, you know, learn and see a whole different side of life that you weren't aware of. Well, and you, you figure out you don't, you know, and obviously you're in a bigger city and college parks. So like kind of, I think you have to do all those things to figure out that, okay, if you never live in a rural area, like you, you know, Macomb or Western Illinois is very rural. I liked it because the people were great, but obviously being in a bigger city like Iowa City or now Greensboro, like I'm more apt to, uh, not a huge city because um, I've been in New York City and LA and, and San Francisco. Like I don't want a city that yep. big, but I really like Greensboro the size. It's about 200,000 people, which is about my fit because Evansville, where I grew up, is about 120. So it's, it's yep. kind of in that sweet spot for me here. Have you seen the movie Whiplash? I have, yeah. What do you think? Uh, I think it does a really good job portraying some, some elements of the, the music field and industry and kind of that um, – Strive for greatness and all the work that goes into it. Um, I think the last 20 minutes are like the most intense, one of the most intense movie scenes of all time. For anybody that hasn't watched Whiplash, 
we used to watch it on the bus because I wanted to show our guys. I'm like, there, there's an alternative coach out there. <laughs> I'm not that type of person. I can be that person if you need me to be to hold you accountable. But just to show them, like, there are people out here that are like that. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I, I personally didn't ever have someone in, in the music industry that was that direct. Yeah. Um, but I, th- I thought it did, a, it did a great job kind of just showing that side of things. I think people are much more um, aware of what goes into a great sports athlete and not as much uh, a great musician. And so just kind of showing that side as well. Do you have a favorite jazz musician? Um, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I love I love the classics, you know, play, playing trombone. You know, I love Curtis Fuller. I love Slide Hampton. Um, all those Miles Davis and John Coltrane I love records. Miles fantastic. Davis. I love Miles yeah. Davis, John Coltrane, Charlie Parker, like Elvis Gerald, Louis Armstrong. Like I just, I, my mom listened to a lot of different music, which was great for me growing up. So I do like a lot of different genres. So if I if I need to study or lock in, I'll put classical music on or or jazz music. We used to do yeah. for individuals. We would do a classical day. So like I. I for me, I, I think it helped them concentrate more because our guys did not listen to classical music. So I think it made them mm-hmm. uncomfortable at times. And I think it forced them to concentrate. So Tuesdays, Tuesdays for Indies, I would crank, crank the music up on the loudspeaker at wow. Dwayne Banks. And so we would have classical music going all day on Tuesdays because that's what I, I really liked to listen to classical when I was studying. But for, for me, when you look at the research, I think classical, because it keeps an even heartbeat too, I think you're supposedly supposed to listen to classical music when you're doing any sort of extended workout because it keeps your heart rate the same. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, no, it's interesting. And anything to get, you know, an individual out of their comfort zone, a little bit more centered. I mean, we're so big on the the meditation before we get into our sport practice. And that's a daily, even though it's just three minutes, it's just all about that centering. So classical music can provide the same effects. I mean, absolutely. And that's a headspace audio, correct? I, knew, I I recognized Andy's voice like the the when you guys did that at the Barnstormers a lot of the coaches had not used Headspace and that's where I started with guided meditation was Headspace so as soon as his voice came on I was like oh yeah it's a Headspace app yep yep um very very consistent within our our training practice plans just getting that in there and I um you know I hope it's something that the guys start doing on their own because I think it's very beneficial and I think it's fantastic we're doing it with them right now because it's something that you know I think we we had a conversation at at the conference or the clinic where you know it's something that you're doing it's something I'm implementing you know something coach Swope does and so you know, hopefully just, you know, they take that little bit and they can apply it to their daily lives. Yeah, we did it in practice, but then I gave them a 25-minute audio that was progressive muscle relaxation techniques that I had done a lot of research as an undergrad and grad on. So it was that 20-minute progressive muscle relaxation technique was awesome because with deep breathing, tightening, relaxing muscles, I, I, I felt like it helped them get a better quality of sleep too. And then there was some manifestation pieces and and mental imagery pieces that were on the back end of that, which the brain is such a powerful thing. I think the more that you can send it positive messages and positive affirmations, I think you're going to get better results. But the the benefit of it was just a better quality of sleep for, and and it's like anything else, not everybody did it, I'm sure. But the ones that, that did buy into it and did it religiously, and it helped me a lot as a player. I don't think I would have yep. been the type of college players I was if I was not listening to that. I listened to it just about every night. 
from from junior yeah, year of high yeah, school, fantastic. Know, junior summer of high school, all the way through my playing career, um, and now I have different guided stuff that I use. Um, I'm a big fan of the four inhale, seven hold, eight exhale for sleeping. Um, anytime mm. I'm having a hard time getting sleep, I'll go to the four in, seven hold, eight exhale out, and usually within about nine to ten breath cycles, I'm usually close to being able to sleep. So. But, but, you know, you don't know what you don't know. You know, I think that's part of coaching is introducing new things to, to players because they, they probably have never been introduced to any of that stuff before. And it does help. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and, and you also think about the uh, the mental preparation that goes into the sport that a lot of guys, um, you know, we talked about the pros earlier, but, you know, the 18 to 22 year old can see physical tasks that have been completed. Right. You know. How many times did I, you know, how many swings did I take today? You know, what did I do for my mobility routine or anything like that? Or how many, you know, how far did I work out when I was doing long toss? You know, like any sort of physical task is an easy thing to check off where when you really, you know, try to develop the mind to really focus on, you know, video and analysis and stuff like that. There's a whole side of your game that needs to be developed that a lot of times, you know, this population isn't as aware of once they get here and hopefully that's something we just help them continue to grow on and so meditation is definitely one thing that they can build upon for sure and, and there's some mental health components to it too i mean they're in a high stress situation 18 to 23 year olds they're going through a lot in life you know not just on the field but away from it so there are plenty of mental health components with this too because if you look at the suicide rate numbers now you know that's part of the things i talk about when i go on the circuit is you know i think we had forty-five thousand suicides in 21 and i think we are we're up to forty-eight thousand in 22 from the cdc numbers and a lot of that is in the i think 76 percent of that is white males so it is there are some you may end up saving somebody's life with some of this stuff too which is an important piece of it as well what about you working out what do you do what do you what do you like to do for your routines for working out? Yeah, I, I try to do the things that our, our guys do. One, you know, normally before I put something in, I'll I have tried it before, and so that's been fun for me. Like I said, you know, always trying different sports. So you know, getting playing catch with someone, put a bat in my hands, whatnot. So if we're talking about that kind of things, but you know, for my development, I've always learned a lot from doing other people's programs. So for, for me training, I'll buy other coaches programs um, or have someone else program me and for me. And, you know, hopefully if there's even just one thing that I can take away, you know, it's worth doing it. And so from, you know, I'm going through something where I'm doing substantially more running than I, I normally do. And so I've been doing that for the past couple of months and that's been good. It's been challenging. You know, I'm still, still doing, you know, your normal lifting routines, you know, your squats, your deadlifts benching pull-ups all that all that good stuff I, I still sprint not a lot but i do still try to get after my dynamic warm-up in. i'll try to get some sprint work in it's not a lot yeah i don't need absolutely gotta do it but i think sprinting's still one and most people don't like once people get past like 18 19 20 years old they don't sprint anymore no wait you, you got to i mean it's just all, all the benefits from moving your body fast and the eccentric strength that you get and you know by trying to maintain the fast twitch fibers that you have available in your body i mean that's the first thing to go or what w- one of the things to go as as you get older and it's like you said just people don't do it so definitely putting that in the routine um is great to have so that's fantastic do you have any go-to books or podcasts yeah i mean i'm i'm always diving into podcasts. I think that's my number one kind of medium in order for me to go find a source to look up or a blog or a research article. So, um, 
What yeah, blogs are you on? Mind. If you're going to a blog, I'm not a huge blog guy, but if you're going to a blog, which ones are you going to? So a lot of time it's just something I've listened off of a podcast, you know, like um, there's specific strength ones off of uh, Simply Faster um, is a great, you know, strength and conditioning one or, um, you know, Strength Coach Network has a bunch of things out there as well. But, you know, I've, you know, you listen to something off of, you know, Eric Cressy's podcast and it'll, it'll take you somewhere. And then, you know, the motor preferences has its own blog that you're going to now, but yeah, I listen to, I've been listening to the, the Cressy podcast a lot. Um, I listen to just fly sports performance podcast a lot. Um, and those kind of, like I said, just kind of, you'll find someone or you'll find an idea, you'll find a methodology, you'll find a principle that you want to dive in more and then you'll just go from there. What are some final thoughts or something I should have asked you that I didn't? Um, I mean, we, we covered a lot of things, you know, I was kind of, um, we do some, some fun things on the, the arm care side of things in terms of, you know, fatigue, stress and fresh tests with the, the pitchers and just trying to make sure that they're getting well recovered. And then that's helping us then guide their training a little bit more and guiding, you know, even their pitch counts and what drills that they're doing. You know, coach Jackson does a great job giving them drills that fit their profiles and what they need to work on on the mound. But then if they're not able to recover from that, then we're just trending on the wrong in the wrong direction. That's going to hinder performance. Right. And so, um, you know, it's, it's something similar to the the wellness questionnaires, but the the pitchers are coming in at least once a week, getting a reading on their arm, seeing how it's going. We should do a, a fresh test because I did. Um, Is that with internal and external test. rotation for their arm? Yep. So we'll, we'll put them in a 90-90. So they're lying on their back and they put their arm out to the side and then they'll do internal by rotating down, external by rotating away. Yep. Scaptions in that Y position, pushing straight back and then that grip strength. And so it's just a, it's been a good way for us to just monitor the guys. And if we need to, you know, a lot of times everything that we drive or a lot of things that we drive in the weight room is going to be internal rotation bias. You know, all of your pressing and your pull is going to be a lot more there. And so if we see a guy substantially increasing his internal rotation strength and his external rotation strength is staying status quo or even lagging, then, like, we make modifications, whether if it's something that I'm doing in the weight room or giving him additional exercises to work on his external rotation or even, you know, like I said, just limiting volume on some things. I mean, it's really personalized on that aspect. And so it's good just to, just to have that conversation for the guys and myself and TC, our athletic trainer, um, you know, just kind of help them and, and Jimmy, our, our pitching coach, kind of direct them down the right road to make sure that their arms are covering and staying fresh and ready for bullpen lives and, you know, going to be pitching a game too soon enough. Thanks for your time, Henry. Hopefully you get some snow up there so you can get some snowmobiling in while you're up there. But get get a little breather here before you get back to it. Yeah, great. Uh, thanks, thanks so much for having me on. It was great talking with you. I was really excited to be able to talk to Henry this week. I think motor preferences are coming down the pike for a lot of coaches. It's a lot to digest, but I think once you get in and learn the terminology, I think it's much easier to understand. Uh, Best of luck to Maryland baseball this spring, and uh, best of luck to everyone else too. Rolling through January here. Hopefully everybody's getting a lot out of these episodes and help you springboard into your spring season. Thanks again to John Litchfield, Jim Richardson, Zach Hale, Matt West, and Antonio Walker in the ABCI office for all their help on the podcast. Feel free to reach out to me via email, rbrownlee at abca.org, Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok at coachb underscore abca, or direct message me via the MyABCA app. 
This is Ryan Brownlee signing off for the American Baseball Coaches Association. Thanks and leave it better for those behind you.